Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. Hi everyone, this episode was originally recorded together with Brain Drain, but it got too long so we decided to split it up into two episodes. So if you hear us talking about the other episode or last week, last week could have been two weeks ago, and the other episode is probably Brain Drain from the first part of this this original recording. And here are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season one, episode 18, The Electrocutioner, series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Rob Hedden, directed by Rob Hedden, original air date, April 18th, 1988. So we're back for season one, episode 18, The Electrocutioner. So the cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki is an electric chair that grants the owner electric powers after it is used to kill. And this one kind of seemed familiar to me, too. I might have seen this. I mean, I don't remember it, but it seemed familiar. So the only one warehouse connection that I could find is Marsha Bennett, who played Peggy Hobbs, the warden's wife. We don't even see her to the end. In Warehouse, she played Amy's mother. That's how they have her credited. Oh, wow. She's in the Warehouse episode Trials. I didn't know who Amy was in that episode. And then when I went to look up Amy, thinking if I saw a picture of her in the credits, I'd Uh remember who she was. And then in turn, maybe remember who her mother was. But there's not even an Amy listed in the credits. Really? So I'm wondering if it was just a character they talked about. You know how sometimes they find out that five other people already died before they got there? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was a character that was already dead. Oh, and they, okay. And they talked about her and they went maybe to see her mother, but I have no idea who she is, so that's all I could say. Although, I have to say, in this one, the guy... What's his name? Eli? He looked so familiar. And I looked him up and there is not one thing that I even recognized that he was in. And also the second kid that he killed. No, the first kid that he killed. Because the very first patient, she left the office. And then the kid with the black eye came in. Yeah. I could have sworn he was somebody too. He looked so familiar to me. And I looked him up and he's been in two things ever in his life. Oh, wow. So, I don't know. But, anyway... This episode begins in 1978 with an execution gone wrong. So they have to hit Eli Putman twice with the electricity because he was still alive after the first attempt. After he's declared dead and they're rolling him out, his hand moves. The people in the room want to put him back in the chair, but the warden won't let them. And he says that he's been declared dead and you can't execute a man twice. And the judge in the room agreed. So there's a loophole for you. So the warden, from the beginning, seemed to have feelings about the execution to begin with. He seemed to feel compassion for the prisoner, and he even seemed to be disappointed when the stay of of execution wasn't granted. And then we see Eli at some point being sent to a psychiatric hospital. So meanwhile at the store, Jack gets a returned inquiry that they sent out, and it was returned with no forwarding address. And it was about the electric chair. So Jack suspects that the purchaser just didn't want to be found. He also finds that he's using an alias, Dr. Christian Lindheim. One of the uh, query letters that we sent out to Lewis's old customers came back, stamped no forwarding address. Well, that happens all the time. Ah, yes, but this time, and in this case, I think that that particular purchaser of antiques chose not to be followed. They're using an alias, Dr. Christian Lindheim. I checked with the medical association. They never even heard of a doctor by that name. What did Lewis sell him? An electric chair. A real one. 
So we find Dr. Lindheim working as a dentist at a reform school. I'm going to call him Pittman or Eli throughout my notes, though, because there's just too many names. Everybody has too many names. Yeah. <laughs> so his first patient is wearing a ridiculous amount of lipstick for a dental visit. Just saying. Mm-hmm. After she leaves the office, Eli is told by the school administrator that the school would be closing in the next few weeks. This seems to upset him quite a lot. And we had just heard him telling his patient that he had gone to dental school before he got distracted. He seemed happy to be doing what he thought he was always meant to be doing. But that being said, I wondered if he only began killing after he heard the school was closing or if he'd been killing all along. To me, it seemed like he started when he was disappointed about the hospital closing. That still wouldn't make any sense either. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make sense because usually you're affected as soon as you get the thing. Right. But there's a lot of things in the show that doesn't make sense. You know, like with the mirror, with the compact. You know, you kept saying that Goodwin's over evil and she if she didn't want to kill him, she didn't have to kill him. And I said, well, she didn't want to kill him. So they both jumped. But that doesn't really make sense. That she would be able to control herself. Because the way it's been shown to us all these other episodes is it just takes you over. Yeah. You know, like, so when she didn't want to kill him, she decided she didn't want to kill him and they both jumped. So her not wanting to kill him didn't make sense to me. So I guess what I'm saying is if you can control yourself, then the artifacts aren't dangerous. Well, she controlled herself for him, but not for the others. Right. Because she despised the others. Right. But But, she loved him. Right, but that doesn't seem the way the artifacts worked, you know, in the earlier episodes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you figure out that, okay, if you're infected by an artifact, like we always talk about if you're evil first or if you're evil after, and I think we kind of figured that you're evil once you're affected by the artifact and you can't do anything about it except that she did in that episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And this one kind of seems to me that he didn't start killing until he was upset that he was losing his job. Because he let that first girl leave. Yeah, but still, what's the point of even killing anybody, period? If well, that's the case, why was he killing people? I couldn't understand it. This one, I was like, ugh. Right. That's what I mean. It's confusing because it didn't look to me like he started killing people until he found that he was losing his job. And now he wanted to get back at everybody who put him in prison. But it doesn't go along with the rules, and we still really don't have rules for antiques. Because usually they have the antique and they're affected immediately. And it's possible he's killing before, but usually we would hear that. We would hear about the five or six dead or fried or missing bodies they found three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Right, or even years ago. Right. Because this seems like this takes... Years, yeah, years in between. He's in a chair, yep. So he's a dentist, yes. Because when they tried to execute him, that was 1978. So we're just seeing him as a dentist in 1988. That's 10 years to me, anyway. They made it seem like he started killing because he was going to lose his job and he wanted to get back at everybody, yeah. But they didn't have anything doing with him losing his job. Well, but they're the ones who executed him. It it seemed like that all clicked. Yeah, but why did he do that a long time ago? That's what I'm saying. He seemed like he was happy in his job. Because even when he was telling that girl about being a dentist, how he was in his fourth year of dental school, Mm -hmm. he seemed like that's what he wanted to do all his life. Right. And he was finally getting... He still could have been a dentist. True, but he 
you know, he had to change his name. So he probably felt he couldn't go anywhere to be a dentist because he's this guy who was executed twice and he didn't take. All right. You know, so then why did he have the electric chair? And then and how did he know his powers in the electric chair? That's always my question. How do they figure out how this works? This is what I mean. The other one, that was trial and error. That was like, okay, I'm going to do it in a half. Yeah. But this one. I don't get it. This one, I was like, all I kept on saying is you got to be kidding me. That's what I mean. They never tell us how people figure out how these things work. They made it look like he didn't kill anybody until he lost his job. Now, that's how it looked to me. But we never heard about any other people that they found dead or fried or missing or anything. So I'm a little confused about how these... I want rules on how these antiques work. Right. And I still want to know how did he know what the electric chair was going to do to these kids? Well, that's what I said about the lantern, too. How do you figure that out? You know? How do you figure out you have to kill somebody after you bring up the treasure? I mean, how do you figure that out? I don't know. Yeah, because you just don't have an electric chair for a dentist chair. And nobody looks behind it and sees the dad going my car battery behind it with all these wires. You're walking right by it. I have to imagine he bought it because he knew it was the electric chair that tried to kill him. But he should have been like, what's his name? Toddy Sweet? Um, Sweeney Todd? Yeah. You know, his purpose was to kill. But this guy's purpose wasn't to kill. Because they only talk about two kids. They are missing. Where's everybody else that's missing? Or vanished in their clothes are just there. That's what I mean. I don't know. I don't know. They're a charred body. His body. In the clothes. No, it was. They just kind of went away. I just figured they like evaporated or turned to dust or something. Um, I didn't see any dust. I didn't see no charred. And I was like, huh? So, yeah, that's what I'm going with this one. Okay. Go ahead. So Jack and Ryan go to the prison to find out about the electric chair, and the warden tells him the story about Eli. And he also tells him that the warden himself was the one who tried to get Eli the stay of execution because he always had a feeling about him. He kind of believed he wasn't guilty. And then later, someone else confessed to the crime, so he was right that he wasn't guilty at all. Unfortunately, the other person confessed long after the events of the execution day. So Eli was transferred to the hospital and the warden didn't seem to know anything else about him. So Eli electrocutes his second patient and transfers the power to himself. So now we find out how it works. He can touch someone or anything metal that someone else is touching to electrocute them. So he starts going back to all the people who were participants in his execution. Mickey and Ryan dig up information about Pittman. Amongst the paperwork they brought back, Jack finds an old clipping about the district attorney who Jack had just read about being electrocuted the day before. Ryan finds that Eli was a dental student before he went to jail, and Jack figures out that Lindheim was probably a dentist because they just assumed he was a medical doctor when they heard his name earlier. And Jack thinks that Lindheim is really Eli's alias. So Eli kills Melissa, who I think was the very first girl that was in the chair, right? That was the same girl? I think so. And then next on his list is the judge. Mickey and Ryan happen to show up at the judge's house at the same time because they're tracking all these people from the picture they have of the execution day. Eli kills him by grabbing the railing he's holding. And then he sees Mickey and Ryan, and when they try to get away, they run to the car, of course, Ryan loses the keys. And Eli tries to send currents throughout their car, but he loses power, like he short circuits, so his power must not last very long. And then, you know, when Mickey and Ryan tell Jack the story, he figures out how the chair must work. Jack, I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. I mean, this guy had a zillion volts coming out of his fingers. Did you see his face? No, I didn't get a good look at him. This is 
hardly what I expected. You mean that this man is becoming some kind of a transformer or capacity using electricity to kill? Jack, every single person in those photos has turned up dead accidental electrocutions. All of them? Of all the ones we've been able to track down, I mean, there is a group photo with not everyone captions. Here it is. Now, we haven't been able to ID this man and a couple of guards. So Jack and Mickey go to the reform school with the rubber boots that Ryan suggested. (laughs) And they go like under the premise of buying some of the school's older fixtures or antiques or whatever. And then Ryan goes back to see the warden to ask him to identify the others in the photo because there was one guy and some guards they couldn't identify. And he invites Ryan to dinner to go over his personal files that he has at his house. So Eli calls the administration guy and interrupts him and Jack and Mickey. The administration guy leaves Jack and Mickey and, and goes to Eli's office. As Mickey and Jack look for Eli's office forever, that place could not have been that big. <laughs> they were walking down that hallway forever. Oh, when the administrator goes to Eli's office, he injects him with something to get him in the chair. And he tries to find out what he told Mickey and Jack by drilling his teeth, which I couldn't watch. Yeah, me either. Yeah. And when he figures out this guy didn't tell him anything because he doesn't know anything, he turns the chair on in time for Mickey and Jack. Now, listen, they're in the hallway. They hear the guy screaming. The lights flicker. They see orange glow on the door. And they stand there. If you're going to put your gloves on, at least start walking. But how long does it take to put on gloves? I know, because if they would just kept walking, they didn't even have to run. If they just kept Mm -hmm. walking, they wouldn't have saved the doctor. I mean, the administrator. But they could have at least stopped him from transferring the power to himself. Right. Mm -hmm. And they just stood there, slowly putting their gloves on. Oh, my God. That was ridiculous. And they were like five feet away from the door. Yep. All they had to do was walk in and the guy would have stopped. They would have distracted him for a minute. Could probably could have stopped him from transferring the power. But they had their boots on. They could have had their gloves already on, too. Right. Why didn't they have their gloves on? Mm -hmm. They're walking around the halls looking for him. Maybe they didn't want to wear their gloves in front of the administrator, but he left. So you know you're walking around the halls looking for this guy's office. Why wouldn't you already have your gloves on? Right. Because he could tell them that we touched something, we got an allergic reaction or chemical burn. Even if they didn't want to wear it in front of him. As soon as they started searching the halls, you put your gloves on. Gloves on, yep. They take far too long to get to the door, and he gets away. So Jack realizes the dental chair was actually the electric chair. And Jack makes a compass to track Eli. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have an arty bag, but he seems to come up with these things from like his pockets or something. I don't know. So Eli finds them in the basement, but he decides to conserve his power and doesn't kill him. He just runs away. After all that sneaking around the basement, he decides he's not Mm going to kill him because he needs to conserve his power. So he could have just run away to begin with. We didn't need all that in the basement. Yeah. So they try to warn the warden, but the phones are down. So they rush to his house to get there by 6, because he says he gets home at 6. Eli gets to the warden's house before Ryan is let in by the warden's wife, who assumes that he's Ryan, coming to dinner. On the way to the house, Jack and Ryan plan to try to short-circuit him in some way. They get to the house. Well, first we see the warden recognizes Eli. Eli's in his office. They get to the house. They come in, and instead of bringing the jumper cables in, they have to come all the way in the house, and Jack sends Ryan back out to get him. They're already planning to short-circuit him. There I'm going with, I don't know how she would act if they would have did that. So that's a little different. I think they told her to go into another room or, you know, stay low. So that part I could understand. The gloves, I could have made up a lie for that. Jumper cables in my house, 
Nah, I can't make up a lie for that. Yeah, but it just seems like they wasted so much time doing everything, you know? I get it. You're not going to walk to the door with jumper cables in your hand. But maybe throw them on the side of the door in case you Mm -hmm. need them, you know? I get what you're saying. It would look crazy if so. You know, yeah. came to dinner with jumper cables in your hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack tells Eli that they have the chair, which distracts him long enough for Ryan to hook up the jumper cables and use them to electrocute him. And I think that's all I have. Did I miss anything? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it, but it was kind of quick, so it was okay. So we'll be back shortly with uh, right. another couple episodes. All right, see you then. See you then. This is Doug, reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, Provided by Anton Kornienko. Pixabay user 147-98912. Free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.